Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Cody Talks to Strangers, where I do that thing, talk to strangers. Today I have the very artistically talented Topher Shaw, so let's go ahead and get started. Well, uh, I appreciate you doing this. Thank you for coming on today and being patient with everything. How are you doing today, good sir? I'm doing real good. How you been? Uh, I've been good. You know, just uh, staying busy. Uh, gave myself a COVID haircut today, and it didn't turn out too bad. So okay. that's always a good thing where you can not fuck up your day with your own haircut. <laughs> well, you know, with my coworkers, it would uh, they would have fun with the fucked up haircut. So. <laughs> Well, uh, so what, have you, what have you been doing to keep yourself busy during this time? I, you know, I know you had a bunch of shows scheduled out for this year that obviously, well, I don't know, I'm assuming they got canceled. So what have you been doing to stay busy? Yeah, I had a few shows in June. I don't think I had anything booked in July, but all that stuff got canceled. And I actually just bought a PlayStation 4. I think I need something to keep myself busy. Uh, downtime and just do something. Yeah, no, no, I, I understand. That's why I started this, so to kind of fill the gap yeah. between being on stage and, and work. So it's just that, uh, you know, we have no clue when we're going back. So, yeah, yeah. I think my neighbor started gardening. So I, every day I would just wake up and I see my neighbor gardening. I'm like, I'm not going to do gardening. I'm probably just going to stay outside. It's nice and cool. Yeah, it's, games. It's too it's too damn hot outside to do any gardening. Like I work in my yard in the morning on the weekends, but as soon as it hits like nine o'clock, I'm back in the house because it is it's too damn hot. Yeah, that's almost like a like a marathon. Just get to your car, get to your work, go out to get something to eat. Oh yeah. Come back home. You're, you're not even hungry when you get back because you're sweaty because you just had to walk in the damn heat. Yeah, it's it's awful. But, you know, that's the thing, though, with Memphis is that it's it's either there's either hot weather outside or road work. And, yeah, yeah I can't. I'm not sure, too. Uh, the house that's the um, um, neighborhood is across behind me. It has, like, 12, like, potholes. That like the construction workers made like on purpose. Like they're like, we need to be able to do something. We need to get lunch, and we need to be able to have work. I'm like, does this street really need 12 holes? Oh my! Neighbors gotta be looking at that stuff, being like, wait a second, does this much work need to be done on our street? 12 holes? Oh yeah, I I love it because they do the same thing with mine, and then um, they do some shit with the water lines where like I'll turn my water on and my water will just be brown for like oh, wow. twenty minutes. Like I'll you have to run the water for like twenty minutes before it's before it starts running clear again. That's not good. Oh yeah, it's just I'm just like what like what is happening? I've never tasted it. I don't you know for all I know like they're trying to give us like soda water upgrades or something, but I'm not gonna drink brown <laughs> water out of my faucet. Yeah, that'd be crazy if you just had caffeine, Coca Cola coming out of your faucet. Ah, uh, that'd be the that'd be the bomb. I'm on my fourth Dr Pepper of the day right now, and I know it's bad oh, wow. for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm a. Yeah. I'm gonna wait. Yeah, like I, used to, I used to drink caffeine drinks like that too. Oh, I can't go with like I tried to cut them out and it just I couldn't. 
I get all antsy and weird and headaches and yeah, I don't smoke yeah. or I don't really drink that much or anything like that. So I guess this is my my thing that I'm addicted to is just soda. Yeah, I got stopped drinking alcohol and I think I replaced it with like lemonade. So I think I'm like a, a lemonade addict. <laughs> I just I'm trying to just like think about what that looks like, you know, it's just like, Hey, y'all got any of that lemonade? Yeah. <laughs> uh it's just it's it's almost depressing, like you go to like bars and people that used to see you will be like, Oh yeah, you wanna want me to get you uh, some alcohol? And they're like, No, I can I get you a lemonade? You know, like at a bar? Yeah, yeah, I just get lemonade and some ice. Well, make it cold. I'm surprised they just don't go like, Well, we don't have Mike's Mike's hard lemonade here, you know. But Yeah, that that would be the next thing they would ask me, like, So you mean Mike? I'm like, no, no. Just regular lemonade. Just regular lemonade. Well, I don't know if you've ever seen any of John Mulaney's stand-up, but he's got a great joke about when you get sober and you're not drinking anymore, no one knows what to offer you to drink at a at a party. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's like, would you like an old shoe? I have an old shoe you can have. Would you like to drink that? <laughs> But yeah, well that's that's good though, you know, you quit drinking. That's that's a that's a huge yeah. step. You know, I'm not I'm not gonna lie, I used to have a pretty bad drinking problem back in the day, but I think that was more so I was married to a person that drove me up the wall and drove me to drinking quite literally. But that's neither here nor there. But you know yeah, yeah I completely understand and to get on you for you know, for doing that and getting that you know, getting going down that road. So, yeah, you know, there's yeah, other, like, go ahead. I had people like messaging me, not like a ton of people. I had a few people message me just like, I'm sorry you went for that. Didn't know that you were an alcoholic. And I was like, um, I was not an alcoholic. I just decided to take it sobriety. Just decided that's you know, not my thing right now. There, there you go. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I just decided to take up sobriety. So, yeah, you, you, ever, you ever see the, uh, uh, two and a half men when Charlie was on his show, or Charlie Shane. Yeah, I remember that. He had one episode where he quit drinking and he sits on the couch, and Alan's like, "Hey, so uh, you know, he, he, he takes one of his drinks and he goes, this is Pete.' He goes, "Yeah, I think I'm uh, about to stop drinking." And he goes, "Oh wow, I didn't think you were gonna stop drinking." And he goes, "Yeah, I'm gonna have to stop." And he gets up and goes to the fridge. He goes, "Hey, you want a beer?" He goes, I thought you just said you're going to stop drinking. He goes, yeah, I'll stop. And then throughout the episode, he's drinking wine at the end. And she's like, I thought you told me that he stopped drinking now. He's like, he thinks that he has. Because <laughs> he's drinking wine. <laughs> yeah, like he stopped drinking hard alcohol. So he's like, beer, beer is like American beer. It's like water. So I really kind of have to stop drinking. <laughs> well, yeah, well. I think if you drink hard alcohol all the time, drinking beer probably doesn't seem like you're drinking at all, you know. Yeah. So. Yes. Yeah, he uh he's a interesting uh interesting guy. I I remember when he had his mental breakdown. That was one of the greatest moments of the internet you'd ever I've ever seen in my life. And you know now knowing what we know, that lines up about the time he found out he had HIV. So I think he had a. Yeah a mental breakdown from that, but I still tell people I have Tiger's blood and Adonis genes all the time. 
So, <laughs> but yeah, he um, he was an interesting guy to follow. He had a he had a lot of uh, sexual partners. It was uh, it was shocking that he didn't get it sooner. Yeah, I think he had just about everything but COVID nineteen. Oh well, COVID's like I don't want to get sick. So, yeah, I've been. I think, I think I, Go ahead. Yeah, I was about to say, I remember thinking there was a story about Charlie Sheen. Um, when he was like 18, I think it was, he just got like a um, bought a prostitute just to get his virginity out of the way. I think that was the beginning of like the sex addiction. <laughs> yeah, he was probably just like, well, I got to get this virginity thing out of the way. And then afterwards, he was like, well, roughly. One to two minutes later, he's like, "Holy shit, that was amazing!" I gotta get more of that, and it just it went on from there. Yeah, but yeah, he's just a he's an interesting guy, and that show Two and a Half Men. I don't know what happened to any of the actors from that show, including Charlie Sheen, because I haven't seen anything from him or that kid that was on the show, and yeah. they, had, they had Ashton Kutcher for a while, so. Yeah. Ashton Kutcher, what it used to be like, it was kind of like the uh, the old show where it's just like him and Alan were too different. And I think uh, Ashton Kutcher almost played the same character like Alan. It's like he's rich, but he's not like a playboy anymore like Charlie. Yeah. Now he's kind of sometimes sad and pathetic in the thing. But then it's when that show kind of went off the rails. Yeah, it was a... Uh... It was one of those shows. I never, I never watched it as much as anyone else did. Like if it was on TV, I watched it, but and I didn't mind it. But I just never followed it. Now a show that I did watch quite a bit of, and I've seen you, you've posted on Facebook about it, is a uh, is Burn Notice, which was one of my favorite shows when it was on. And yeah, that that show was just like a, in my opinion, a better MacGyver. Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, and the let's see, and Bruce, anything with Bruce Campbell is good. So yeah, Bruce was a big thing, and I think he had a, a sh- one movie or was it a short movie that came up in the burner. Yeah, the uh, what was it? his character's name in the show was Sam Axe, wasn't it? Yeah, and it was and, uh, it was yeah, the they had some... beginnings of Sam Axe. Yeah, yeah, and it had, like, something about how he was kicked out of the military and all that, which was honestly one of the most inaccurate things uh, with Navy SEALs and the military you'd ever watch, but it was highly entertaining. So, oh, yeah. It's a... I thought it was... Go ahead. Oh, I, was just, I thought it was kind of funny that during Barnos, uh, Sam always had, like, the 5 o'clock shadow, almost kind of like the beard, oh, yeah. and then on the Max movie, they switched places. And Michael had the, the hard beard. He's clean shaved. Yeah, it was a uh, yeah. They definitely switched places in there. And then speaking of kind of old movie stars like that, I t- have you tried to watch a Steven Seagal movie recently? No, but I remember I remember watching the Steven Seagal movies. They're, they're bad. I think the best one is when it's in Spanish. I'm sorry, which one? Uh, when it's in Spanish. If you ever go to like hotels, some reason it's not English, then they just like, hey, we have it in Spanish on the Spanish channel. Oh. I go, this is Steven Seagal, but it's in Spanish. I'm like, this is even more badass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, uh, I tried watching some movie he came out with like a couple of years ago because he, 
he's not a big star anymore, but he still makes these movies. And they're just like they're incredibly bad and hard to watch. And you know, not not to knock Steven Seagal, you know, everyone's that's how he makes money and that's how you know that's how he makes a paycheck. But God, they're they're just not good. And then like I knew it wasn't going to be great when they started listing off old wrestlers that I know for a fact have never acted, like Rob Van Dam. So because I had to think, I'm like Rob Van Dam. I'm like, no, it's not John Claude Van Dam. I'm like, he's not a good actor either. But um, so let me ask, his movies were cut too. Uh, John Claude Van Dam. Oh yeah, yeah, those were. And they were so bad. They were so bad that they were good. They were like just as terrible acting, but the fight scenes were really good. Oh yeah, the fight scenes were amazing. How, oh man, my cat got stuck in the the curtain. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they were, uh, they were pretty good movies and Time Cop, I still think is one of the best movies ever made, but Hollywood really fucked him over. I don't know if you've ever read about that. So Uh he basically, when he got into the industry, signed a deal where they paid him, like he did like a set of movies, like three or four of them. And they only paid him like Thirty grand per movie. Oh, wow. and like they were these huge blockbuster hits, like Bloodsport and um, Bloodsport, Kickboxer, and there was a couple of other ones. And like he just, they really just screwed him over. And then he got like really heavy into cocaine and all that stuff. So he had a he had a pretty rough go of it there for a while. But watching him do interviews on the news. Like, well, not on the news, but like on talk shows, is really hilarious because he uh, he just says all this crazy, off the wall, sexist stuff. So, and it's always it's not funny to his wife, but he kind of like he will direct some of it at her. He'll like, yeah, I like my wife. She's not the prettiest woman I've ever been with, and she's not the best sex I've ever had. But I like my wife, and like the whole time you're watching, you're sitting there, you're like, "Oh my god, he's gonna get a divorce when he gets home." But I just never in a million years, I don't think it would be okay to say that on TV. <laughs> but that's just me. So let me ask you, um, what made you get into comedy? What made you start doing stand-up? Uh, I got into comedy because I was a big comedy fan. Uh, just didn't have the balls to really get on stage. Uh, I got out and just started watching live comedy and watched it and enjoyed it. And then um, I would be doing like kind of like bits at my work or just anywhere. And my friends would be like, don't you ever do this like on stage? And I'm like, no, nah, I'm not going to go on stage and do this. And then I finally just got, you know, the goal to do it. And it's like, boy, if I just kind of go up there and do five minutes, if I can just, you know, small goals, if I can just make somebody just laugh, um, then maybe, maybe I got something. I got you. Yeah, I um, yeah. I was about the same way with how I did it. I just, you know, I only just got started this year, but how long have you been doing it yourself? Uh, it's probably in 2014, I think it was. Okay. So you've been at it for a few years now, so... 
And about what point did you start booking gigs and stuff? Uh, I really had no idea about, like, booking anything. Because um, at first it was just small goals being like, let me enjoy it. Let me try to be entertaining. Yeah. Um, I didn't really necessarily look at it like it's a hobby. But I looked at it as point like, um, uh, what, what can I do to see if, if it actually, you know, goes to the next level to, like, make a living? Because I would see people kind of do stuff on stage. And I'd be like, what, you know, what can I get to that point? So I was like, well, if I can go up there and do it for a little while and uh, see if I can be consistent. Now I wasn't consistent because, you know, nobody's inconsistent when you begin. Um, so there's a lot of hardship to kind of think about it and go, I don't want to keep doing this because uh, I'm good sometimes and I'm shitty sometimes and I don't know where to go next. And that's probably where I was at. I didn't know anybody that was booking shows. I was like, hey, I just want to do comedy at first. Yeah. No, I understand. I uh, I can definitely understand that. You know, I'm kind of, you know, kind of still kind of green at it myself. And, you know, one of the things I've noticed, you know, if I if I do the same set twice, like, uh, it, it does get better over time. Uh, and, you know, I'm hoping one day the consistency comes and everything. But, you know, COVID kind of put a, put a fork in everything for me right now. Yeah. But... I think, I think put a lot of people off the train because uh, I think a lot of people now are just going to be very rusty because you you got to be uh, consistent with it and do it, you know, like almost all the time uh, or else you just kind of lose like your uh, thought process sometimes and sometimes your timing is going to be way off even though you've done it for, you know, a little while. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I would agree with that. You know, it's just it's one of those things is, yeah, you're right. It's no one is doing it right now, and they're probably going to come back and be rusty. So I'm very curious to see how everything pans out with that. I know um, Richard Douglas Jones is talking about getting the one at P&H back together two weeks after Memphis moved into Phase 3. Yeah, which uh, probably won't be until late July, if they ever get to phase three, will probably be late July, early August, and then you have a two-week wait with his mic. So you're probably looking at maybe in August, late August. Yeah, I know um, his his mic, um, you know, yeah, August, probably September, to be honest with you, because he's still not super comfortable with a lot of stuff that, you know, how everyone's acting right now about everything, yeah. about, you know, just not really it's, treating it seriously, and no one is, which is unfortunate. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be a lot more cautious when you're in that big of a space, because that room holds, you know, 60, 70 people. Um, when people did come out, um, different than going to the little places where you go to the cove, or if you went over to a very small mic and there's only like six people, um, everybody else can be a little bit more cautious. Yeah, because I know Spencer Gino um, opened his mic up one night about a, two, three weeks ago. Yeah. And, uh, that, you know, I asked him, I said, you know, what was uh, what was it like? He goes, well, it was just comics there pretty much. So, and, that, yeah. and it's kind of like a, the last time I did an open mic is that it was probably the week before the sh- everything shut down or a couple weeks before the everything shut down. And, yeah, it was just comics there, really. So, which, which is to respect, 
and the little mice. The little mice are going to be just around about atomics, yeah. and and then the big mice on Thursday. Yeah. Well, and that well that was the the last one I did was the one at the P and H. So. Okay. Yeah. And it was a it was a which was still good, you know. Uh, I feel like telling jokes to nothing but comics makes it a little bit more challenging. So. Yeah. Or, or more intimidating anyway. <laughs> But and then, uh, you got Eric's over at the Lamplighter, so which is this small. I really like Eric's mic, though. I don't. I know that's where I met you for the first time was at Eric's mic, and I like that he films it for you and then sends it to you. I think that's always. I think that's a really neat thing for him to do. So yeah, that's that's, that's a good part of the, the training process of being able to listen to yourself and understand the room. His room is actually kind of built very well for what's going on right now because if you have people in chairs, you can separate all those chairs and give it the, the amount of space to keep that mic going. Oh, yeah. And still, but still be safe, you know, for everybody. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's another neat thing with his is that, you know, it is a smaller one and you can separate everybody. And Eric's just a super nice guy as well but I actually um and I've been waiting for his mic to reopen and I told him this that I wanted to tell this joke but I actually wrote a joke of, for Eric um you know how he's kind of like uh you know very anti-police he's very police and so I wrote this yeah. joke that uh when I think about fuck the police the face of Eric Allgood is not who I who I imagine but now, now it is after hearing all the yeah. jokes, and it's just I, uh, you know, I can't wait to test it out with him, and I think it'll be fun. But oh yeah, I just can't wait to get back. That's just where I'm at with it. I'm just I can't wait to get back. Um, so let me ask you this: So you said you watched a lot of comedy. You're a big comedy fan, as I think all of us are. Um, who who inspired like? Who inspired you or continues to inspire you to be a comic or, you know, gives you a lot of, uh, I guess not a lot of material, but a lot of, a lot of drive to be like them or someone like that. Is there anyone in particular or? Uh, I don't think I have anybody in particular. Um, I like a few contemporary people. Um, they're probably way different than anything that I do. I guess maybe that's because, um, a lot further on to my path than when I started. I think when everybody kind of starts, um, they have like an idea of being like, hey, I want to do jokes like that guy. I want to do storytelling, do great storytelling, or I want to do one-liners because that's, that's my you know, favorite comedian. He does one-liners. I want to be a one-liner comedian. I think as you get further into it, you kind of understand your own voice and your own kind of perception of what you want to sound like. So you actually get probably almost the opposite and the people that you look up to. Yeah, no, I can, I can definitely see that. Now, you, you've you written some really, really hilarious jokes. Like, you have this one, and I can't remember what musical instrument that you use in the joke, but it's where you go home with this girl, and she has this stringed instrument in the corner, and you lead it up. Uh, to, yeah. You, the, uh, the, the cello? Yeah, yeah, the cello. And it's great because you lead it up and you're like, oh, he's talking about this lady. And then you're like, I've always wanted to learn to play the cello. And the first time I heard that, I was just like, oh, my God, that's actually that's really hilarious. 
And then uh, you got this uh, joke about your mom making you wear a snake costume three years in a row. Oh, yes. Uh, pretty good. Yeah, I've actually had a couple people uh, recognize me, like, eating lunch or dinner, and they'll come up to me and they'll say, man, I love the, the, the snake joke, and um, I'm never always in the right mind when I hear it, but, and think, oh, yeah, they're talking about the, my mom dressed me up as a, as a snake. Um, so I'm always like, oh, no, well, if you had the right person, uh, I think you're mistaken, and I go, oh, wait, I know what he's talking about. Oh yeah, yeah, and that's, that's good that that happens though. It's uh, is it a weird feeling when people recognize you out in public that's seen you doing stand up? Like, is it uh, is it is it strange? Uh, no, it actually kind of like makes you feel like you're like midtown famous. I don't think that's like a, a saying that some people say. Um, not just comedy, but probably like music or poetry. I think a lot of people kind of get recognized in the little area that's like in Midtown where they're just like, oh, man, I saw you play Friday, you know, at, at the Cove. I saw, you know, you perform over there. You're like, oh, crap. Uh, didn't know that you did. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, and there's a lot of people, and I get, I understand the phrase Midtown Famous because there are a lot of, performers that are really kind of famous in mid midtown like there's a band uh called star and micey that are kind of a big deal and i've only ever talked about or seen or anything with them only in midtown so it's a so yeah i get it the the midtown famous thing the thing i one of the things i really like about midtown is there are people who aren't performers and people who aren't artists at all who are kind of famous. Like, you know, there used to be a guy that rode around with a bicycle and he had a banana plant a banana tree on the back of the bicycle. His name was Eric. And he would just ride around and for beer. And then, or he'd go to a store and he'd come out and ask you for money, but he'd ask you for the exact change amount. I've met so many people over the years who have talked about that guy. There are some people in Midtown that aren't even performers that are really that are more famous than I am. But um which is uh kind of funny. So other than comedy, is there anything else that you feel like do you uh are are you a big reader? Are you a history buff or you know, what is it what what do you do for your time like that? Uh, I actually uh, do a lot of music. I actually have probably been playing guitar for like over 22, 25 years. Um, and I'm trying to play like piano. I'm not a pianist, but uh, once you kind of learn how to do like one type of instrument, uh, you can slowly start figuring out how to do another instrument and so on. At this point, you know, like I can pick up anything. Like I don't know how to play the flute or anything, but I could probably pick it up and just basically mess with it enough to go, okay, I think I understand how to do chord changes on this in the same way. I got you. Yeah, I um, I can't play any instrument. Um, God didn't bless me in that way, and I also can't <laughs> sing. Um, I did play the bass drum in high school, and I can our school, our our drum, not drum program, but our music program at the school I went to was so underfunded. Like there were two bass drummers, but we also only had two sticks. 
So we uh, I could play one side of the ESPN bass drum line. So that's uh that's that's how that went. And uh I remember in in school we would uh we would take turns with the sticks and then like, you know, the other guy would you know, he would take two of them and uh, I would go do homework and then I would let him and then he'd let me have the other two and then he would do my homework. He just really liked doing people's homework. Um, it was a it was a very, very great relationship. But yeah, that was the music program. But that's great though that you've been playing music that long though and so how old are you that you've been playing guitar for twenty two years? Uh thirty seven. So been doing thirty Jesus Christ. I would have thought yeah. you were maybe twenty nine. Yeah, I had the uh the elixir in my refrigerator. So every the elixir. every year I get I get just keep getting younger. People ask me what my birthday is and I just next you know, next year I'll say thirty six and so on and a couple of years from now I'll just be like I'm twenty two. And then a few years from that, you'll be 12. Um, yeah, it'll be like 12, just slowly getting back to being a baby. Doing the Benjamin Button thing. <laughs> that was a great movie. I loved it when he was like a 10-year-old with dementia. Um, that was, I don't know if you ever saw that, but it was a really long movie. And eventually... I kind of remember it. It's been so long. Yeah, he eventually ages backwards and gets like dementia as a 10-year-old. It's really, really kind of weird. It's really sad, actually, when you watch it the first time. Um, okay. But, yeah, that's, uh, man, I never would have thought you were that old. Like, because I see pictures of you, and I've met you in person, and I was just like, oh, wow, he's, you know, 28, 29. I thought you were younger than I am, because I'm 30. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah most, most people see me, and, and at this point, it's probably say I'm 25, 26. You're like a, you're like a Memphis Rob Lowe. <laughs> So, ah, that's awesome, though. And then, so, now, are you from Memphis, or did you uh, move here from somewhere else? Uh, My mom was part of, like, the um, airport for a long time for going different cities. Um, That wasn't necessarily me. Um, For a little while, I was in Minneapolis, um, which right now uh, has such bad news, you know, for what happened over there. But for the most part, I've lived here. I went to high school, White Station, college at um, Memphis College of Art, which, you know, is shutting down. Um, so yeah. I basically call myself from being Memphis. I've been here longer than any other place. Yeah, I understand that. I, uh, you know, I'm not from, me or my wife, neither one of us are from here either. She's, my wife's from Seattle. And, uh, oh, wow. Yeah, and I grew up in a tiny town called Somerville. Don't ever go there. It's a terrible place. It's where meth and racism go hand in hand. And normally they're related somehow. So, yeah, I went to high school with this girl who uh, was really mad at my stepdad at the time. They were cousins, and he cheated on my mom and knocked her up, which was really, really weird. But it's fantastic now because I can make jokes about it now. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it was really weird. So don't ever go to Somerville, Tennessee. It's a, it's a great place to not go. Um, 
but man, exactly. So it sounds like you probably just traveled a lot and moved around a lot over the years and then settled in Memphis for a long while. So now you said you went to College of Arts. What did you do? Did you, did you go there, I guess, for painting or for? Uh, I started off because I was really good in high school uh, with drawing. But drawing wasn't a major for like the first three years I was there. Um, so I was doing graphic design and then everybody was doing graphic design. So it just felt kind of like, um, what's going to get ahead of anything? Cause it's like, everybody's doing this. Everybody's really good at this. Uh, and they're all trying to get jobs as being graphic designers. It's going to be really hard for me to get a job as graphic designer. Um, so I kind of did what everybody else kind of did, uh, went from like sophomore, junior year, uh, just dipping my hand on different things, except for, uh, painting and photography, because I was horrible at both of those, but I still was like, hey, I'll, I'll try it. Um, and then by junior, junior year, drawing became a major, and I'd already taken all my drawing classes. So I only had to like finish one more class before I could major in drawing, and I think my, like, Senior thesis was actually uh, a corporation of a lot of computer arts uh, and drawing all together as like one whole cohesive kind of thing, um, which my drawing teacher and my computer arts teacher um, both actually enjoyed. Because for a long time, um, I was kind of failing at different areas where I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not the best graphic designer. Uh, so I don't think I'm going to be able to, to graphic design. Um, not the best drawer. Uh, trying computer arts. Um, not the best video person. Um, but I was like, what if I combine all these kind of things instrumentally together with also the music that I was kind of producing and use that as like my background for my drawing uh, visually. And I just put it all together. And uh, that issue was probably the, the best presentation I probably completed. So I was actually kind of proud of that to graduate. Um, so my major uh, was computer arts, and my minor was drawing. That's pretty cool that uh, you were able to string all those different things together for that. You know, uh, not a lot of people would have been able to, you know, put all those pieces together and turn it into something. So that's actually really impressive. And, uh, you know, I, I also suck at photography, so don't feel bad. Uh, I mean, I'm not like a photographer, but it's like, for like my Instagram stuff, I do like a lot of stuff for like landscapes um, that are like visually like different forest areas, and then I take a different couple different apps and I manipulate them into different other type of like cut them around into different things, and I actually enjoy that now. So a lot of people that knew me back in college are say, you know, what kind of art are you doing now? Like I'm doing photography, but not like photography, it's photography um, mixed with all different other types of medias. I got you. But yeah, it's always pretty fun to, to find something like that, especially something, and something you're passionate about, you know, it's, you know, and it sounds like you're very passionate about art in itself, which is very good. Um, I, I am not any of those things. My wife is a terrific artist, and so, you know, we... We can, you know, we'll go to museums or when we go out of town and she can say everything about them. And I'm just kind of I'm just like, uh, I like that one. It's got blue on it. Um, so, 
Yeah, I hate to play the dumb, stereotypical husband who doesn't know art, but it's really, I guess it's not really funny if I really don't get it. So, yeah, I think, I think uh, art actually gives me a good idea of how to be uh, something like comedy, because comedy is an art, just like poetry is an art. They actually all kind of have their own kind of thing where you can critique them and you can take criticism well, because that's all you ever had in art college was teachers tearing you down and then trying to build you up, tear you down and build you up. Um, so you had to get a good understanding of the screen, like, what am I trying to do? And a lot of things with art, um, you had to know the rules first before you can break them. And then kind of works the same way with comedy, where you can start doing things in comedy where you're like, I'm breaking the rules, but I know the rules. So it kind of works in my benefit instead of just me. I didn't know I was breaking the rule. Uh, yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, yeah, there's a there there are like you said, there's rules to everything, and you definitely got to know them before you can break them. And I think I'm still learning the rules to comedy, um, so I can't break anything yet, but yeah. I'll get there. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of things with like art. Uh, you ever like see pieces of art where someone's drawn something really um, crisp, and then it gets like really linear, and then it becomes like a very negative space. Like if you um, did that in high school, um, I mean, my art teacher would just be like, "You got to finish this area. You got to finish that corner. You can't live this, you know, be an empty space." But then you would see like famous artists and you'd be like this looks unfinished and you're like yeah but that's on purpose it's because you know they, they broke the rule and so you can take that same kind of thing and do that with comedy as you start learning a whole bunch of different stuff you go I meant to do that uh, this is on purpose and people can tell because people can see a lot of the body language on stage um, so people are getting kind of like the rules say, hey, you got to take the mic, or, mic out of the microphone, you got to put the mic behind you, you got to own the stage, and then you watch later, and people are like, um, keep the mic in the mic, or um, not moving the mic at all, and you're like, wait a second, didn't people tell me not to do that? And it's like, yeah, but they, they know they're doing it on purpose. See, and that's, that's the thing. I never do those things on purpose. Like, when I get up on stage, I take the mic out, but I never move the stand. Oh, yeah. And I, I don't even I don't know why. Like, I've, I always tell myself, I'm going to get up there and I'm going to move the stand. Because actually, it is in the way, because I will move sometimes quite a bit. And yeah. I just knock it over. And so I do need to move it. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's so much I have to learn. You know, that's part of, that's that's one of the reasons I'm doing the podcast the way I'm doing it is just that, you know, I've talked to, this is the fifth comic I've talked to, so, and I think I have people scheduled up to the middle of August, and but I learned something new each time I talk to one of you guys, something I didn't know or something that I know that I can work on, in the so I appreciate you coming on and giving some good advice. And I think the night I met you, um, you gave me some pretty solid advice. And so did um, Mr. Mr. Cunningham, uh, Abania. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, AC's great. AC is actually uh, the very first time I did comedy. I did it at Chuckles, which was out in Cordova. Yeah. As I was living in Cordova, 
so I didn't even know anything about Midtown or Mike's in Midtown. The only thing I knew about was Chuck was Comedy House. And at the time, I think it was like 2014, uh, it was a little bit more um, popular in Cordova. Um, so there was people coming out to like their, it was a Tuesday or Wednesday, uh, their open mic. So you actually had a little bit of a crowd. Uh, you get the feel of actually being in a comedy club. Uh, so we're really making nervous because we like, you got lights, you got stage, you got actual people, and this is your first time. So, you, you know, you have a lot to think about. And I think the very first time I did it, I saw AC, I saw Rob Love, I think Richard was hosting, uh, I saw Tommy. Uh, I think there was like two other Chris's in our scene when I started. That's why I started going by uh, Topher. Because I was like, I need me to be... Uh, individual in a reality. Um, and that's when I go, hey, did you see Chris last night? Man, that was a good joke. Uh, I need somebody to go, oh, uh, Topher. Topher, yeah. Uh, I need people to understand uh, you know, somebody different can the other Chris's. Um, but everybody didn't want that night. I would walk in, and the very first night, everybody was out smoking. They were just like, oh, got a really good five-minute set. And I'm just thinking, like, man, I don't even know if I had one good joke. And, um, so uh, it's, it makes you really nervous when, like, your first thing to do is to do it, like, at a comedy show, you know, where an actual um, place where you see people perform is that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I know that feeling. Well, not I haven't, I actually haven't performed at any clubs. Um, so I don't know the feeling of being in an actual club, but I do know the feeling of being in front of a lot of people uh at the you know to do it the first time the first time I did it was right after at the P and H and it was it was a packed house that night. And so and uh yeah, I fell on my face a little bit. But yeah, I've met all of them and they're all they're all great and they all give pretty good advice or say something funny. The first thing one of the first things that Rob Love said to me was because uh, it was on a really slow night and I got up on stage and I didn't think about it before I said it but I was like oh yeah it's like uh, I'm like there's just uh you know man no one where is everybody tonight and all the comics kind of razz me for it uh, which in, in hindsight was kind of a dickhead thing to say but Rob Love gets up there he's like yep Cody Bear gonna get up there and shit on everybody and I was like oh my god. <laughs> And he's like, hold on, is your name really Cody? I'm like, yeah, it is. And he said, well, that's a man's name. He goes, let me ask you, you jack off when you chop wood? <laughs> I'm like, yep, I, I do it. And he goes, yeah, that's what I thought. He's like, you got a man's name. And then after that, it was all good. But, um, yeah, all those guys are great. They all give great advice, and they've all been doing it for so, for so long. I actually saw a picture of Rob Love and Richard, and it was flip-flop. Richard had hair and Rob Love was bald. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I was just like, whoa, okay. I'm like, that's different. So, but uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Did you uh, did you see the video that Rob Love put out a few months ago, right when COVID hit, when he was just like walking around with the shower cap, like trying to trying to light the cigarette, and he just couldn't light it. Uh, he's done a few of those, but I don't, I don't know the exact one you're talking about. I know he's he's on the shower cap thing. Yeah, I'll have to send it to you later. But it was just like what to do is like ten things to do when you're quarantined and just to just to stay sane. 
And uh, and like each little one that he did, like he kept, he kept trying to light a cigarette, but he just couldn't get it to light. Um, which was it was hilarious. Best part of for the video for me. But I'll have to I'll have to send it to you later. Um, I um I've checked out some of your comedy on YouTube. You have a YouTube channel, and I and I uh, I did subscribe to that. But uh, okay. Yeah, you've got. And if you don't mind, I would like to share some of that stuff out on my Facebook page. I have a separate page from just my personal one, but I, I think you're really hilarious, and I want to be able to share that with other people. So, uh, I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. You, like I said, you got some, some great jokes and all that good stuff, and looks like we are getting close to hitting our time here. Uh, so let me, I do have some very weird, random questions um, to ask, and I always ask these weird questions before we go. So the first question being, um, do you think Darth Vader is really upset that they brought him back? Like, when he fell into the fire and he didn't have any arms and legs and they just brought him back as a cyborg, do you think he gets up? Do you think he ever just thinks about it and gets mad? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm, uh, I don't think he would be that mad. Uh, maybe mad that it's not in the same um, place anymore. Um I think as long as like, look, his mind is still there uh, and he can rule, I think he'd be he'd be okay with that. Yeah. It kind of reminds it reminds me of kind of like like Crane. You remember Ninja Turtles Crane? Uh, he didn't really have a body, and he was just like, oh, okay, I'm still gonna do all the things to you. <laughs> yeah, Crane was a uh, he's a little creepy, a little bit. Yeah, he, uh, yeah, he's he's a little weird. So, and then. Uh, I have them written down, like, because I, I can, I never remember things. I don't, like, my memory for questions and for jokes is uh, very limited, so, like, I always write everything down so that way I can go back and revisit it. Um, and then the last one I have, uh, what what is the, what is the most useless superpower you think anyone could have? And I'll give you an example. Like always knowing where a bird is in your general vicinity at any time. Like that's an example of a bad superpower. What what would you think would be the most useless to be a superpower? Uh, maybe like turning white milk into chocolate milk. <laughs> it's like what, what could you even do with that? You just you. You couldn't be a part of any like team. They're just like, we're gonna go out. We gotta go fight crime. Uh, let's bring a milkman over here. Uh, what you got for us? He's like, I'm gonna make sure things not strawberry or or white. Let's uh, let's do a chocolate. Nobody wants to drink milk, man. We uh, we're drinking Gatorade now. Actually, a pretty good thing, and that's great that you just kind of wrote a joke right off the fly like that. Um. Yeah, that's that's a pretty useless superpower just to be able to turn things into milk, into chocolate milk. Like, well, I'm gonna beat you. Hold on, you want some chocolate milk first? But that's regular milk. Um, yeah, it, it might work for like a, a super villain if you're just like overpower like milk stations and just like getting milk to rise like like the ocean. Then you know maybe then that'd be like incredible. But uh, if you were a superhero, 
there and we were just like, uh, guys, I think you can probably just pour some milk for you and if you don't like white milk, uh, uh, I can make it low fat for you. <laughs> no, I like my milk full fat. Thank you. Because yep. with my with all my sodas I drink, I need more help gaining weight. Um, well, that is about all I have. Something I do try to ask everybody um, before I go: is there a is there any charity or any show that you have coming up, or anything personally that you want to promote and get out there? Just a, anything that you can think of. Not, not at the moment. I don't have any kind of um, charity stuff or just um, make people feel good. Um, uh, I always think of like uh, kindness as a as a good religion. Um, so I, I guess that would be kind of the thing. It's like that's my religion, like kindness. Um, treat people right. That's not really charity, but I guess it's uh, uh, especially what's going on right now. It's uh, making people feel better um, and. No, I understand. Yeah, that's no, that's perfect. Um, you know, like I said, I like to ask everybody that because you know sometimes people do have shows coming up. Some people like to promote a charity. Some people just like to do what you did and give out a good message about you know like treating people right. And you're right, people do need to be treated right. You know, um, especially right now when there's so much hate going on. So I appreciate that for sure. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on. I had a lot of fun talking to you, getting to know you. I hope everyone has fun listening to you and getting to know you. Uh, hopefully, this is recorded audio correctly. <laughs> this, yeah, this uh, there's a, be the first one. It's like a, a phone call. So. Yeah, yeah, it'd be the, yeah. This is the first one I've had to do over a phone call like this. So we'll we'll see how it goes. Other than that, um, check it out. It'll be up tomorrow uh, if you want to give it a listen. Uh, other than that, guys, this has been Topher Shaw. Thank you guys so much. And- hey, guys, thank you again for tuning in to another episode of Cody Talks to Strangers, where I do that thing, talk to strangers. It's a lot of fun getting to know Mr. Topher Shaw, and I look forward to having him on in the future. Join us next week as we have Mr. Will Weiniger on. He is a very funny, very thoughtful person, and I look forward to interviewing him. As always, guys, I love all of you. Please be safe out there. Please be responsible. Come home to your families and give them hell. Thanks.